As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Los Angeles Lakers are the 2020 NBA champions, finally closing out the Miami Heat in game six on Sunday evening, but shout out to the Heat. They left it all on the floor for sure. All right, so now that LeBron has led his third franchise to the NBA championship, the GOAT discussion has entered the chat in blazing fashion. All right, so we're definitely here for it. Uh, We're going to look at it. But first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former 3&D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. A rubric, people. A rubric commonly refers to a set of guidelines or a protocol for how something will or should be done or will be graded, like an assignment, right? So this week, I want to quell some of this conversation, King with a GOAT rubric where we're gonna discuss our candidates, what makes them candidates, state their case, and then we're gonna get into some choices. So King is here as always, King McClure, my fantastic co-host. Bruce Bernstein, our extraordinary producer, is also jumping in this conversation because combined, he's probably seen more basketball than King and I equal in age. Is that fair to say? I'm just old. (laughs) Wow. O-L-D. Old. A good thing. All right, so King, we're going to go to you, uh, most recent college basketball player and current ESPN college basketball analyst and NBA fan. We got to start with LeBron. Do you make the case for LeBron as a GOAT? Like, where are you at in this? Just off the break. Hmm. I don't even see why LeBron is getting brought up in this conversation. Oh, wow. Because... Yes, he we're witnessing greatness, everybody. We're, we're, we're witnessing him win his fourth title, third different team. Witnessing greatness, yes. But he has not done enough to be mentioned in the same category with Jordan, with the Kobe's, with the Wilts, with the Kareem. Yes, he's the greatest basketball player on earth. Yes, I respect him. But at the end of the day, I saw something earlier. This is actually kind of interesting. It was a picture, a cartoon picture with Kobe and uh, Jordan. And LeBron is sitting on the, on, the, on the bench. And Kobe said, we used to celebrate three-peats. Now we're celebrating switching teams and winning one championship. And Jordan was like, you'll never be one of us. And I was like, hmm, interesting. interesting bruce what say you to that well okay i i am as you know uh, i love lebron but i'm i'm willing to kind of put him up there for a number of reasons but here's the thing what what king just said i remember having a conversation with a very famous former nba player that i know Uh, who is not in the Hall of Fame yet, but should be. He was a championship player. And I was having this conversation with him probably seven, eight years ago. And he said kind of what King was saying, like when he went to Miami, he joined another man's team, meaning D. Wade, okay, Uh, as opposed to kind of building it from scratch on his own. That said, I believe LeBron did join D. Wade's team. But as soon as he joined D. Wade's team, D. Wade was Robin and LeBron was Batman. So, I mean, nobody can tell me that Dwayne Wade was a better player than LeBron James. But I'm only bringing that up because that was an NBA player that you all have heard of, highly respected, and that was his take on LeBron. Monica, what about you? I mean, we got more to say about LeBron, but what about you? I understand why he's in the conversation. I'm not going to go as hard as King and the cartoon. I definitely understand why he's in the conversation. But for me, and we'll get into this too today, if the criteria is championships, it's a no for me. He hasn't caught Kobe. 
He hasn't caught Mike. Do I think that he stands a chance in doing that? Yeah, but I do understand why he's in the conversation. Now, I also will admit that a part of this conversation is who you got to see at their prime. And I will be completely honest when it comes to MJ, the thing I remember most about MJ in the 90s was Space Jam, because at that point I was not consuming NBA basketball at that level. So while The Last Dance was fantastic and watching YouTube is fantastic, I didn't take it in in real time. Having watched LeBron, remembering LeBron in the Hummer and the Sports Illustrated cover and the Chosen One and the whole bit, I am impressed that LeBron has never cracked under the mass amount of pressure overall. Has he won every championship? No. But in terms of the eyeballs and the attention that have been on him from the jump, he has to be in that conversation to me. But I mean, it's almost like, what do you value? Like, so yes, it's almost it's almost like, what do you value? And and I feel like I I am no in no way hating on LeBron because I, I I respect him utmost respect for LeBron what he does how he plays, but it's like bro he pulled one of the weakest moves in basketball history like him and 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 Kevin Durant probably pulled the two weakest moves ever as a competitor. You go to D Wade's team that's not even your team. I so mean it becomes it I becomes. Mean, I have this question then. Yeah. You feel that when Ray Allen and KG joined Paul Pierce, are those weak moves? Um, I would not put neither one of those three in the GOAT category. Like, they're not even in the top 10 category. So when we talk about, so like, yes and no. Like, kind of, sort of, like just me personally, like Damian Lillard is, I'm the type, like, I'm a Damian Lillard type guy. Like, I want to do it by myself in my hometown, bring a championship, not my hometown, but bring a championship to the team I started with and bring guys there, win for the city, not go join with other superstars. So, like, yeah, I mean, I guess it was kind of weak, but, like, they're not in the GOAT category. When you look at the GOATs... You don't have the same expectation. Yeah, we don't have the same expectation. You should not... LeBron, you should not go join Dwayne Wade's team. No offense, but Dwayne Wade already won a championship without you. So he's clearly good enough to lead a team and he's a Hall of Famer, and he's probably top 20 of all time. So you're going to join with him. Then you go get Chris Bosh. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with going to get Chris Bosh because you want to win. But secondly, Kevin Durant's move, which is kind of definitely off topic, but that was hands down the weakest move I've ever seen in my life. You're up three to one on a team. You, you lose the series, and then you go join the team the next year. Yeah, that's terrible. That looks, that looks bad. But that's not. he's not in the conversation yet. I mean, he might be one day. But LeBron just, I just, like, I just respect loyalty. And I just don't. So you're not impressed that he has now taken three different franchises to the pinnacle of basketball and brought home the Larry O? No, I want to see a three-peat with one team. I want to see you dominate basketball. Like, you dominate it, but you don't dominate it. Is that today's NBA, though, Bruce? Like, the last time we had a, what, a three-peat was the Lake Kobe's Lakers, right? Well, the, no, the Warriors won three out of four, right? They won, they won three out of four, and they should have won four straight if it wasn't for Draymond Green getting himself suspended. But I, I think you know, it's yeah. more than that, but I feel you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, now that we've sort of, like, you know, beaten LeBron up a little bit, I'm going to rehabilitate him, okay? Because here's, here's my take on LeBron. Four-time champ, okay, not the most championships ever, Michael Jordan didn't have the most championships ever. Bill Russell's got 11, okay? Um, Four-time finals MVP, okay, that's not the greatest ever. He won the MVP four times in five years earlier this century, okay? He finished second in the MVP voting four times. So he's won the MVP four times, finished second four times, okay? Pretty good, eight times out of 17-year career. He's probably going to play 20 or more NBA seasons, which is a longevity record that can only be, well, only Kareem has played 20, and we'll get to him in a little bit. And sometime in his next 100 games, he's going to end up surpassing Kareem for total combined regular season and playoff points. He's a great teammate. He was a lockdown defender. He could guard all five positions. He was a willing passer. He empowered those around him. He was a great teammate. Off the court, I mean – He's off the charts when it comes to off the court, but that's kind of separate from this discussion. But I'm just, that's one of the reasons I admire him so much. 
So I feel like because this is one of those dis arguments that can never really be resolved, I'm going to say when we finally close the book on this guy's career in about another three or four years, because he's still kind of peak LeBron, even at this age, I don't think there's going to be much question that he had the greatest career of any NBA player. Yes, I will agree with that when it's all said and done. But right now it's just too premature. Like, like Mike, MJ won six titles. He's six for six in the finals, six finals MVPs. Probably would have won eight had he not taken two years off to go play baseball. Like, come no on. That, that is complete domination. And something else I was thinking about today is the eye test, okay? When you look at the top three, people say Kareem, uh, LeBron, and Jordan. When you look at Kareem, Kareem is 7-2. He's supposed to dominate. I, you're, you're just supposed to dominate 7-2. LeBron James is 6'8", 260 as a point guard. You're supposed to dominate. Michael Jordan is the, as an average two guard, average size two guard in the NBA, and dominated. Like, yes, he had freak athleticism. When you look at the eye test, both of those other two guys are supposed to dominate. Jordan is not supposed to dominate. He's an average two guard in the NBA today. The eye test is a great point, King. I have not heard that one in this discussion. That's a strong point. Okay, but Bruce, Bruce did what I want to do. I want to look at the numbers. And Bruce being the super extraordinary producer that he is. You mentioned, who you just say, King? Kareem and Michael? Kareem, yep. All right, so Bruce just gave us LeBron's rundown. Michael's rundown goes a little something like this. Six NBA titles and six finals MVPs. Your argument, he may have won eight straight if he didn't go for baseball. Bruce has a great note in here. Sorry, Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, <laughs> definitely a cultural icon. The shoes, Space Jam, Gatorade, all of that good stuff. Want to be like Mike. He was a 10-time scoring champ, seven straight awards, five-time MVP, including his final season with the Bulls in 98, 10-time All-NBA first team. Highest scoring average for his career was 30.12 points, um, a minimum of 400 games or 10,000 points. So, like, hmm, thinking back to the numbers that Bruce gave us, LeBron was a four, to this point, he's a four-time champ, four-time finals MVP. He hasn't got Mike there, obviously. Let, let me bring another point into this, Kay. This is so fun. After watching The Last Dance, okay, because I, I am young. I'm young. I'm 24. I just turned 24. Did not know anything about Jordan. I watched The Last Dance, and I realized this. A lot of players in today's game could not play back then when Jordan was playing. Jordan averaged 30 points per game in an era where they could hand check and put you on your butt, and that's not a flagrant. That's a regular foul. Today, you touch one guy like James Harden, they're going to the free throw line 20 times. Imagine how many points Jordan would have Jordan averaged in today's NBA. And imagine how many points LeBron would have averaged in Jordan's NBA. So I made a similar point on game night on ESPN Radio on Sunday nights, if you guys want to tune in from 9 to 1. Shameless <laughs> <Amos> plug. <laughs> I made a similar point because – uh, Tyler, my co-host, his point about LeBron was exactly what you said. He's 6'8", 260, the way that he dominates. My counter was, if you pick up LeBron, put him back in Jordan's era, while he would have been a matchup problem offensively because of what he could do and drawing guys like Carl Malone and Charles Barkley, Elijah Ron, whoever else, out of the paint, I don't know how well it would have gone if he in turn had to play defense on those guys because of, to your point, King, the way the game was played then and the way it was officiated. It's not even deep. Look at the offensive side. You knew the Jordan, the Jordan rules. But see, adapt and survive, though. So no, you no, don't it's think not adapt and survive. Because look, you see, you see how LeBron reacts right now when he gets tapped on the elbow. When because he of the present-day league. But that's not play back then, there's no way you're telling me LeBron is getting put on his butt every time he goes to the cup. All them flashy dunks we see, he's not getting that. Bill Lambeer is putting him on the ground. Charles Oakley is putting him on the ground. You don't think that he adapts and survives? No. I disagree. He doesn't yeah. adapt and survive right now. They're going to the referees, middle of the, the Denver Nuggets series, to go complain that he doesn't get called the fouls that he needs to get called. 
because that's today and it works today. Then it wouldn't have worked. I think he would have adapted and been able no, to. I, I don't think so. But look, here's the, here's the, the counter argument is how many points would Jordan have averaged in today's NBA? Now, Jordan probably be putting up 42 every game. Probably averaging 40, not even joking. Averaging 40 in today's NBA. I think LeBron, if he were playing back in that era, he'd have been putting some guys on their butts too. I agree. I mean, LeBron is a pretty powerfully built guy, and, 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 and his hoop IQ is pretty much off the charts. I think he would have figured it out. Adapt and survive. Thank you, Bruce. Yes. Okay. The other guy mentioned – oh, wait. I don't know why I got this paper. The notes are on my phone because Bruce is savvy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kareem, the numbers say – Obviously, he played 20 NBA seasons, which Mike did not do and LeBron could potentially do. He was a six-time NBA champ, six-time MVP, 19 19 out of 20 years, he's an all-star? Yeah. 15-time All-NBA, like, always. He's the all-time leading scorer in in the regular season and the regular season playoffs combined. Um, Now we're going college three NCAA championships at UCLA, three-time MVP of the NCAA tournament, um, 88-2 and two record at UCLA, and three varsity seasons. Like, that's crazy. He had the dunk banned because of, you know, his dominance in that skill and ability, um, which Bruce taught us is how the skyhook came to be. I did not know that. Uh, but again, like, I mean, if Kareem was playing in today's era, he still would be doing this to me. Yeah, he'd sure. dominate. For sure. So I Kareem, guess the criteria then, sorry, Bruce, does that become uh, the criteria? If you put these players in one another's errors, who remains as productive and who loses their productivity? Kareem would have been, I mean, look, because the game kind of has de-emphasized classic centers in today's NBA, Kareem would have probably had to learn how to shoot three-pointers, you know, which he never had to do. Although I will tell you, he used to take that sky hook from like 15, 18 feet away from the basket. I mean, that thing was crazy. I mean, you really, you, I don't know if you went back and looked at some of the YouTube, he wasn't taking like three foot hook shots. He was taking like 15 foot hook shots over some pretty big dudes like, you know, Bill Walton and, you know, Kevin McHale, Parrish, you know, pretty good players, uh, hall of famers, not pretty good players, hall of famers. Um, and he's got six rings, so and he's got a lot of other numbers MJ doesn't have. He wasn't undefeated in the finals. You know, he lost a few times in the finals, probably like three or four times in the finals. But I think, you know, people forget about him, you know, because he was so long ago. Do you think, Bruce, that part of that not only is time, but I think, well, the marketability of Michael Jordan has made him a legend. We talk about the shoes and Space Jam. But do you think that perhaps some of the reason that Kareem gets lost in this conversation had to do with his social activism at that time? Because it wasn't celebrated in the way that it is now. I mean, he changed his name. He was vocal on these issues. Well, I mean, if you were, you know, following the sport, you know, back in the day, it wasn't really his social activism that was the problem. The problem was his personality. He was, and, and I remember having this conversation with Magic Johnson, okay, who I worked with at ESPN for a while. And he said, Kareem was just an ornery kind of guy, you know? He wasn't really friendly. He didn't trust the media. He didn't like the media. He would, he would do interviews with the media, and he'd be like reading a newspaper while he was talking to him. I mean, he was considered to be a very unpleasant guy. And I think that hurt him more than his social activism, because look, if you look at his social activism now, dudes like write about everything. I mean, he is not wrong about anything. And he hasn't been for a really long time. And he's evolved with the times too. He's just, you know, where, where he's at. I mean, he's just on the right side of everything. He's a brilliant intellectual guy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I met him one time on his ch- children's book tour. It's pretty dope. He's, he's super cool now in his old age. I don't know what he was at the height of his career. He was a pain in the ass. He was, yeah. he was a jerk. But he was also, I think, kind of shy in a lot of ways. Look, I mean, you guys, I mean, King, you're a pretty big dude. You're like 6'4". And Monica, you're, you know, tall for, you know, like 5'11", 5'10". Yeah. Kareem was 7'2", okay? 
in his entire life, he was looked at as just this almost like a, I don't, I, I don't, I don't even know the right word to say, like a curiosity, like some, something out of the ordinary. So I think people that have gone through that, probably it changes their personality and does make them kind of, you know, makes them want to withdraw because they don't want to be like stared at all the time. Mm. Here's my question. I actually have two questions. First question, since I'm not familiar with Kareem as far as watching him, because you know that's way past my... <laughs> Your my, parents hadn't even met yet, boy. <laughs> it's way past He never learned head. how to use YouTube either, apparently, Monica. <laughs> I don't know. So, I, I mean, I, I watched a few games, but did, did Kareem have, like, game? Like, I know he had the sky hook. He was tall. But did he have game, like, like, uh, like Hakeem Olajuwon type game? Like, did he have game? His team hardly ever lost. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so how do you measure game? I mean, you know, like he, game, like, he all time, he's an all-time leading scorer, right? Wait, like, can I throw it to him on the block? Can I throw it to him on the block? And can he give me a a a, a, a back down, a shimmy post fade? Can, can, does he have game, or did he just have the one move, the sky hook? He had the one move, the sky hook, but it was unstoppable. Okay, <laughs> so you so can stop brings, it. You can block it. Okay. That brings me to my second point. So right. in today's NBA, with the athleticism of bigs like JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, how effective would the sky hook have been if I they? But look, but look, but look. If he had one move. Coaches are very intelligent. They're very smart. I feel like, no offense, I feel like coaching has gotten better. The film and all that has, has advanced. Not Maybe not coaching. My bad, misspoke. But the film and the study and the breakdowns, I feel like have gotten so much better with analytics and everything. So if you know that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to go seven out of ten times to his left shoulder post-hook, could you just sit on that and go get it out the air? Because these dudes are touching like 13, 12, 13 feet off vert. So could you just go block it out the air? I mean, I'm school me. I'm the youngest. Right. I, I obviously was not watching Kareem either in real time, but I want you to imagine Anthony Davis with a sky hook against Dwight Howard. Is it but, a but 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 what makes Anthony Davis so good is he's so multi-dimensional. Right. right. No, but I, I got you. But I'm saying specifically, I want you to think skyhook, Anthony Davis doing a skyhook. Like, is what you said how teams are gonna defend them him? And do you think that, that worked will work? If Anthony Davis only had a skyhook, you take away Anthony Davis's whole game, just give him the skyhook, I think you can defend that. Like give him give him the skyhook and the ability to pass the basketball. I mean, in your mind, I feel like you've made this a one-on-one -on -one game. I think part of the reason it works so well but for Kareem. But also, here's my thing, though. I, this is where I struggle with this argument. Because if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is shooting hook shots from the free throw line 10 times a game and getting 30 off of that, I'm living. Because you're shooting twos. You're not – the game, the way that the game is played today, you got to shoot threes. So if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is posting up and shooting hook shots from 15, 16 feet, whether we block it or not, I'm winning. I'm living. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm living with that all day, every day. Go ahead and shoot those hook shots. I hope they go in. Because while you shooting these twos, I'm about to shoot 43s. And we're going to make 16, 17 of them. I don't think he could play in today's NBA unless he got a jump shot and had a more diverse game. He was, you know, all right, so how can we sort of, like, try and figure out would he have had the skills to play in today's league? He was a pretty good free throw shooter. He was, in, he was above 70%, which is pretty good for a big guy. Um, his, you know, I, I, I guess because you didn't experience him going up against Wilt Chamberlain, who was seven foot one, or Bill Walton, who is listed at 6'11", but I've stood next to him. He's well definitely over seven feet tall um and and some pretty you know some pretty big dudes. believe it or not the guy who gave him the most trouble back then was dave cowens on the celtics who was more of like a today's center so this kind of almost works with your argument a little bit dave cowens was six eight okay he ran for 48 minutes never stopped running you know and kareem used to get tired chasing that guy around 
So, but, you know, Kareem and Cowens had some great battles. Uh, if you can go back and look at the 1974 NBA Finals, which Boston won, um, Kareem was great, but Cowens just like, you know, Kareem's tongue was hanging out after chasing that guy around for, you know, six games or however long it went. But I think just as uh, Monica was saying before about how LeBron could probably go back in time and play the game back then, Kareem was a pretty smart player. I think he would have been successful in this era. He would have had to change his skill set. But, you know, that's why this argument will never be settled. But it's a whole lot of fun going back and forth, isn't it? It is. I'm definitely sitting here like, Giannis can't shoot, and Giannis is fine. But Giannis is running like a deer. I don't know if Kareem was running like the way Giannis was running. And Giannis, didn't. think about it. He didn't. But think about this also. On the defensive end, Kareem at 7-2 is going to have – that's why, like, Yao Ming and, like, dudes like that, they couldn't play today because you got to guard Steph Curry on a pick and roll 30 feet away from the basket. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they could do that. Like, the way that the game has changed, it's evolved so much. And I don't think they could guard Steph Curry or Russell Westbrook. I mean, Russell Westbrook. No, I don't know why I mentioned his name. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think they could do that, you know? Like, I – I don't know, but I, I, I have the utmost respect and whatever he did, like he did it and I respect it because I, I think he's honestly, he's probably the GOAT as of right now. You're giving it to Kareem? You might have to give it only because of Bruce. Bruce, Bruce scored <laughs> me. He informed me and I was not aware of these statistics. I have to give it to Kareem. Like, wow. I have to. I'm, 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 I admire somebody who respects his elders like that and, <laughs> and Kareem, but okay. What about the other two all-time great Lakers? There's a okay. couple other ones. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, Bruce, because I think I, it, I, magic doesn't get lost the way that Kareem gets lost, but I think people can't appreciate the transcendence of his game at that time because of the way the NBA is played to death. Does that make sense? Hmm. Magic. Um, like point forwards are pretty common now. Yeah. He was a point guard, though. But he, he was, was big. He was the one. Oh, but he was big. Let, let me ask you. Oh, yeah, 6'9". Right. Big. Bruce. Big. Is, yeah. is Magic the, the, the first unathletic LeBron? Magic and LeBron, to me, are the two, you know, when, when you say, well, who does LeBron remind you of? He reminds me most of Magic because, for a lot of reasons, similar size. Uh, you know, LeBron, a better scorer, better rebounder. Magic, better passer. Because, and even though LeBron's a great passer, Magic was a little bit better passer. Magic also had a whole lot of guys playing with him that were better than a lot of the guys that LeBron had playing with him. I mean, you had James Worthy on one wing. You had Byron Scott at the two. You had the big fella Kareem down low. Magic could score too, but he was a team first kind of, you know, he was like a classic point guard because he was like the no looks. I mean, everything. I mean, you know, plus his, his style was just so ahead of its time. I mean, he was perfect for LA in the 1980s. Showtime. He created it. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So wait, let's get into the numbers too. Go ahead. I love how Bruce's notes include cultural icon in business, medicine, philanthropy, and basketball. A lot of these guys have a cultural element to their being because of how successful they were on the court. But here are the basketball things we should know. NCAA champion in 1979, beating Larry Bird in the finals, Michigan State over Indiana State. He teamed up with Kareem, like Bruce just pointed out, in his rookie season to win NBA championship in 1980. Um, in game six, Magic actually played center because Kareem had a nasty migraine and he had 42 points and 15 assists and was finals MVP three times from 1980, 82, and 87. He was a five-time NBA champ, a nine-time All-NBA first team, a three-time regular season MVP, and a 12-time All-Star, just like Bruce just said, literally created the Showtime style of basketball. And I wonder, just like we give Mike his two years he went to go play baseball, 
if Magic had not had the HIV deal, what might we have gotten from him? His really final season. Oh, Lord King. Oh, geez. <laughs> yes. He's also a medical miracle, by the way. His yeah, last year before he got sick in 1991, he, he was in the NBA Finals. That was MJ's first ring in 1991. They, he beat Magic in 91. Uh, so in his final year before he got sick, you know, he ended up coming back later. He was in the finals, <laughs> you know. And, and his teammates that year were like Vlade Divac. I mean, Worthy was still around. Um, but there was no Kareem at that point. So he took him to the finals without Kareem, too. So. Hmm. Hmm. Also one of the all-time great human beings. I mean, I, like I had the privilege to know him a little bit. And I can just tell you what a nice person he is. He remembers hmm. people's names that he has no business remembering their names because he didn't really know him that well, but he still remembers their names. He remembered my wife's name after meeting her one time a year later. It's like, what? Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. We love Nancy, though. We love Nancy. Yes, okay. we do love Nancy. <laughs> All right, we got to get to this other Laker in this conversation. Uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bean Bryant, who was an 11-time All-NBA First Team selection, known as the Black Mamba, Clutch in the same vein as Michael Jordan. He was a five-time NBA champ, an 18-time All-Star, 12-time All-Defensive selection, and two-time Finals MVP, four-time All-Star MVP. We know that's, you know, all right, All-Star game, cool. Uh, fourth all-time in regular season points behind Kareem, Karl Malone, and now LeBron. In a way, Kobe, it's weird to say this, but in a way, Kobe's resume sounds almost pedestrian compared to these other guys. But he was a, he was a five-time NBA champ. He doesn't have as many MVP awards. So he got screwed, so. by the way. The year that Steve Nash won MVP should have been Kobe. So he should have at yeah. least two, probably three. But I, I Anyway, I go ahead, the, King. I think the reason why Kobe kind of gets screwed in his argument is because I hate to say it. I love Kobe. I, I I love Kobe. That's my favorite player ever. But he got carried in three out of his five championships. And I think that's why he gets screwed. You know, I used to be so, I used to be that person that was so stubborn. It's like, no, he didn't get carried. But when you look at the stats, Shaq carried Kobe. But what's kind of interesting, though, because after Shaq left Kobe, Shaq didn't win another ring until he was old. He won with so the like, right? Yeah, he didn't win another ring till he was old, and he was like at the very tail end of his career, like nowhere near the same Shaq. So Shaq didn't do it by himself, but Kobe managed to do it by himself, which is kind of interesting because it's like, if Shaq carried Kobe, then why couldn't Shaq do it by himself? But Kobe could do it by himself. So I, did Shaq if, really carry Kobe? If I was about to say, if you wanted to really dig into that, mm -hmm. you'd have to remember how dominant and physical Shaq was, but Shaq had that space because you could not leave Kobe alone. You know what I mean? So like yep. by, the, by the statistics, it looks like Shaq carried Kobe, but Kobe created the space for Shaq to be Shaq. Am I on, am I on track there, Bruce? Oh yeah. And I mean, look, he, you know, they, they really should have won another one. I, I thought in 2004 when they played the Pistons, everybody thought they were going to beat the Pistons. That one. Yeah. And the Pistons ended up beating them, I think, in five games. Yeah, it was. Um, and uh, that was the year that uh, Chauncey Billups was the finals MVP. Um, and then two years later after that, when Shaq went to Miami, he was on the 06 team with D. Wade. And D. Wade carried Shaq to that championship because D. Wade was Batman that year and Shaq was Robin. Yeah. By then, I think Shaq had settled into that, though. Like, he was accepting of that. That was like his 14th or 15th year in the league by that point. I mean, he was an old dude at that point. Um, but that, but okay. But to your point, LeBron has, if you, if you knock Kobe because he always had Shaq, LeBron did get to a, a finals by himself in Cleveland. What was that? 2007? Yes. Um, but he didn't win. But LeBron has always had a running mate in a way that's different from, 
Is it different from Mike and Scotty? It's definitely different from Magic and Kareem. But well, he had Kyrie in Cleveland the second go round when they went to the finals four times, and he's twice. always had. That's what I'm saying. He's always had a running mate, though. Like right. I don't. LeBron has never done it. You know, you feel what I'm trying to go, King. Like we're parsing hairs yeah. off, but we're going down this yeah. rabbit hole. So let's go. But like LeBron never was carried. Now here's what I will say: unpopular opinion. What Kyrie Irving said about not being clutch. Not being clutch. Kyrie Irving might have. He he. Kyrie Irving says a lot of crazy things. Now the crazy thing he ever said was the world is flat, the earth is flat, and he, yeah, he he tri- he's tripping on that. However, when he talks about things like this, like when he gets really, he's very philosophical. He and a lot of times when you really sit down and think about it, he's actually kind of like right. Like he's a very intelligent guy. Just get to the point. Come on. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, LeBron carried Kyrie, but at the end of the game, you know the ball was going to Kyrie. You knew Kyrie was going to hit that tough shot. So, like, he didn't – LeBron carried the team, but at the end of the game, it really just depends on what you want to call carry. Because if you call carry getting him over the hump to win the game, LeBron did it, but also Kyrie also did it too. So, Well, yeah, the, the, I, I don't think that that's too wild. I think the problem is we know that there is – we'll call it tension between the two of them. And so that to me was more hype because it was shady. But <laughs> historically through LeBron's career, and Zach Lowe has a great article on ESPN comparing LeBron and Jordan. And there's an excerpt in it where he talks about an episode of The Jump where Rachel Nichols asked, I believe it was Tracy McGrady and Scottie Pippen about LeBron being clutch. And she presents some stat about game winning baskets between LeBron and Mike. And although the numbers at that point statistically must have been similar, the guys react like, like that's a no-brainer. Like, they rattle off MJ, Reggie Miller, Joe Johnson in a clutch moment before LeBron. Because we've seen throughout LeBron's career, he makes the play, which may lead to the shot, but he himself didn't necessarily take the shot. Or at least that's yeah. how the narrative that stands in our mind, whether well, that's actually true. So is that mean? does that mean that Kyrie kind of sort of carried the team because he, he, he hits the big shot? Or ha- I think Kyrie doesn't get to that big shot without LeBron, though. I mean, that's true. But if LeBron's not taking that shot, then... But LeBron's creating the shot. But see, here's the thing. Jordan is creating the shot and making the shot. Okay, and I will give you that on Jordan. But <laughs> I'm definitely not putting Kyrie in nobody's GOAT conversation. Oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't even put Kyrie in the top three-point guards in the NBA, to be honest. Uh, but we, that's, that's a whole other is. conversation. We we yeah. have that conversation yeah. one day on the show. We can definitely do that because I'm always ready. But yeah, I mean, but like it's just the way you view it, like because he hit the shot, in a sense, it's kind of sort of caring because without Kyrie, he's not winning that. Like, but without LeBron, he's not getting that shot. So I don't know. It's just depending on how you view it. The thing I always without think- LeBron, he would have been playing golf for like a month before yeah. that game. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> without LeBron, he doesn't get that opportunity. Like literally in that play, without LeBron, he doesn't get that opportunity. Same thing with Kobe and Shaq. If LeBron doesn't garner the attention that he garners, no way he gets to be out on the perimeter on the right side. I can't remember who was guarding him, but dancing around like that. Because if it's not for LeBron, somebody is slouching, somebody's helping. You know, remember um. Do you remember LeBron chasing down Andre Iguodala and, yeah. and blocking that shot? LeBron, you know, to just talk about LeBron's offense, I think, is to do a disservice to him because that guy was a lockdown defender. And, I mean, so Kyrie Irving was never much of a defender. You know, he might get a few steals here and there. But, you know, I think, you know, when you look at the all-around package, and again, those Cavalier teams were garbage without LeBron. I mean, as soon as he left, they were in the lottery. Wait a second. Those okay. Chicago teams were not very good without without Joe MJ. The year he left for baseball, okay, they won 55 games. They didn't say- go to the finals. They didn't go to the finals, and Nick beat them in the conference finals, okay? Mm-hmm. And then the following year, you know, they were all kind of messed up. Orlando with Shaq as a young player with Penny went to the finals that year. But no, I mean they were not a championship team without Michael, and they were, and the Bulls were absolute garbage before he got there. I mean they were trash. So but I'm with you. You made that point to say what though, King? But if you look, take that away, take that one ring away. Okay, cool. What ring? I still think 
Which ring? Who help me? What are you talking about? The Cavaliers. The Cavaliers. The Cavaliers. The Cavaliers. Take LeBron. Twenty twenty sixteen. Okay, twenty sixteen. Take that ring. But his two with the um Heat. With the Heat, I think they could have won a championship without LeBron. Nah. They would. They were talented enough. They were they not talented enough? Chris Bosh. All right. So who did they play? So, so, all right, in 2011, they played Dallas. They lost in the finals. Same. 2012, they was played – who was it in 2012? Was it San Antonio? No, 20, San Antonio was 2013. 2012, it was – oh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, 2012 – all right, stand by. <laughs> NBA Finals 20, Heat Thunder. No, wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thunder, yeah the and, Thunder Kev, and, Kevin, and Kevin Durant when he was still legit, right, King? <laughs> Boy, <laughs> uh, 2013 San Antonio took a Ray Allen miracle shot to send that game into overtime. Okay. So he needed some help there. And then 2014, they lost to Kawhi in the finals. Um, and then he left for Cleveland for four years. But – you know, uh, I'm not even sure where that all went just now. I think we went off the rails a little bit there, but still, yeah, yeah, Monica will bring us back. You know, I try to do some, I try to keep us on track. Um, keep us on okay. track. So this has been great, though. I really appreciate Bruce. Thank you for all those wonderful numbers because I think that's the part of this conversation that always gets lost. Bill Russell, talk about Bill Russell, really right. quick. So here's the here's the goat of the goat according to the basketball heads on TV oftentimes. Greatest team leader ever, in Bruce's fantastic notes, 11 championships. Played in 13 seasons for the Boston Celtics, two as a player coach, the first African-American coach in NBA history. I did not know that, Bruce. I didn't know that either. Yes, he was. As a player coach, yep. Two-time NCAA champion, Olympic gold medalist in 1956. Career average, 22.5 whoa rebounds per game that's right king whoa uh in 963 games a five-time mvp and possibly the best defensive player ever totally before you guys times although the very first nba game i went to bill russell actually was still playing 1966 i was nine years old okay i saw him i saw him in person um all i can say is that he revolutionized basketball. He battled Wilt Chamberlain and usually ended up winning. Wilt was the most dominant guy back then, but Bill Russell's team always won except for one year. I did not know he averaged that many rebounds. That's crazy. I know, right? That's why I put it in red there. <laughs> I wanted to make sure you knew that wasn't a mistake. Although Wilt Chamberlain's rebound numbers were very close to that. He was also over 22 for his career, too. So this, a lot of misses back then to rebound. I was going to say, and now we're getting into a real different era of basketball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Back in the Stone Age. But I just didn't want this discussion to go without us at least kind of mentioning the great Bill Russell. That's no, I don't know that anybody really feels that he is the guy, though. Well, I do remember Jalen Rose making that argument at one point on Jalen and Jacoby. Well, I don't know if he's quite – labeled bill his goat but he certainly was like and let's not forget about you know how Jalen gets with his super fresh crispy face um this is how we this is how we got into this though y'all for the sake of today's conversation and this is a fluid relationship with this answer it is not always one answer for the rest of your life you got to answer the question as it stands right now who's your goat bruce I'm saying because I know he's still got a few more years left to add on to what he's done, I'm going to say when his career is over, it will be King James. Okay. King, the other king. <laughs> um, I, I, I actually agree with Bruce. I do think that LeBron, when it's said and done, all said and done, he'll be the greatest. Right now, I'd have to give it to Kareem. Okay. So I, this is a great little pot of potpourri we've got going on, because as it stands right now today, willing to see this change, I'm still going with Michael. I think mm -hmm. from our discussion today too, King, like pick these guys, pick them up, plug them in different errors. Yeah. Is the most 
effective in terms of what we know and expect, and I think it's Mike. Not that LeBron couldn't have yeah. played back then, not that Kareem couldn't have adjusted to today's game, yeah. but I think Mike has the most versatility just envisioning him in different eras. Statistically, that's why I went with Hakeem. I mean, Kareem, not Hakeem, Kareem. Okay. But I do agree with you. Like, overall, like, who could be most versatile in this era, that era? Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, sure. I, I agree. They're all on the Mount Rushmore. So put them all up there. We love all of them. We respect them. And we've, you know, they've given us so many thrills and a lot of good stuff to talk about. Man, this, yeah, this was dope. I really enjoyed this combo. Yes, guys. Great job. That was dope. Welcome back to another segment. The favorite segment, actually. Who's tripping, you know? This week has been an interesting week in sports, for sure. But I got to just throw in this honorable mention. Um, LeBron James, who doesn't respect you, sir? Everybody, everybody respects you. Don't know why you said that. Maybe it's a shot to Kyrie or maybe just a few people who just hate on you. But, like, everybody respects you, LeBron. So I just had to say that because you're tripping for even – getting on their signs or maybe you didn't have nothing else to say but who doesn't respect you at this point lebron you're 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 honorably in the goat conversation in you're that one of the whole, in that whole spiel he gave two people i think he was legit that respect can be questionable rob palenka and frank vogel i do think that those guys deserve their respect palenka for getting this team together and vogel for coaching the squad because i think people think oh you just coach lebron like it's fine but it does take someone stirring the drink but for the main who's tripping this week, we have, as Bruce would call, a repeat offender. Well, not applause. Because, yeah, not, not applause. Because you clearly just do not get it. And I'm going to let Monica take this, take this one because Monica feels very strong about this, maybe a little stronger than I feel. But college football NCAA college football. You are tripping this week. Monica, please let the people know why. You are still tripping. All right, at the time, literally, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday at 7.06 p.m. I can look to my right, and on my TV screen, the headline says, Nick Saban tests positive for virus, leaves team facility. My television's on mute so that we can do our podcast. I can't hear what he's saying right now. But the bottom line is that coronavirus is not to be played with. LSU Florida game scheduled for this Saturday, postponed. Nick Saban, arguably the face of college basketball from the coaching standpoint, test positive. This thing is very real. Now, Saban makes $8.6 million a year. He has some recourse from this virus. God forbid that he become ill and really struggle with this. So we hope that he recovers quickly. Even better would be if it was a false negative test. Um, but the point is, there's still so much we don't know about this disease, how it is affecting players or will affect players long term. And I just think that the NCAA and college football in particular has been entirely too cavalier. King, your home state, Texas A&M this weekend against Florida. Do we just forget about social distancing in that crowd? Like, is that just not a thing anymore? What are y'all doing? <laughs> Man, I saw that. And I'm like, look, only the Aggies would do that. And if you don't realize, you know, Baylor and um, Aggies are a little different for all my Aggies listening. If any Aggies listening, y'all are different. Y'all like a cult out there. Like on some, like you ever seen Waco? Yeah. Yeah, there's like a cult. Like the whole A&M thing is like a cult. That's a whole nother story. Anyways, they're tripping. Because the whole stadium looked packed. It packed. looked cool. Packed. Packed. <laughs> Packed, and they got the nerve to be swag surfer up on each other with their masks at their chin. Packed. What are y'all doing? <laughs> Look, I, I don't know. I feel like everybody in the world or in the United States has forgotten that coronavirus exists, and I think sports have definitely played a role into that. I think sports make it make everybody think that society is back to normal because sports are back playing. Like, like we're seeing the the bars open, the clubs open. I mean, twenty eight of Baylor's players got coronavirus. Now I don't know where they got it from, but 
if I had my money on it, it was not while they were in the facility. So we're not back to normal. This is still very real. And I just pray, pray, pray that college basketball is not like this. The, the one thing I will say, I think I expect to see college from college basketball conference bubbles personally, because I think we've seen the NBA, we've seen the WNBA. It can be done. If classes are being offered virtually, kids don't need to be on campus necessarily. Um, we got a lot to figure out. So people wear your mask, maintain your distance. If you must have your football, I personally say stay home and watch on television. But if you have to go to the game, y'all got to put some more space between y'all Texas people out of control y'all tripping hey you heard it here first ncaa football texas a&m anybody who has more than 25 percent of capacity which was supposed to be the rule you're tripping ncaa please get it together so that we do not see our young athletes continuously put at risk all right y'all <sighs> man i can't that who's tripping just ugh. let me focus <laughs> All right, it's time to wrap this thing up. Uh, thanks to our extraordinary guest co-host today, producer Bruce Bernstein, our basketball educator, getting us hip to the greatness of some of the greats that we didn't get to see in person. Um, our outstanding editor, Tom Phillip, who always does a tremendous job. Don't forget our other shows. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday with a new show. Full Court Press with John Fanta is here on Tuesdays talking college hoops something we're all keeping our eyes on as uh, that November 25th date is approaching. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin have a brand new show each Wednesday. BJ and Eric have the Pure Hoops podcast every Friday. And I'm back with King next Thursday with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. We talked about it earlier and we're going to continue to talk about it because you tend to forget that coronavirus is still a thing, but it is real. Stay inside. I ain't going to say stay inside, but social distance. Be smart about what you do. Wear your mask because it protects other people and yourself. Please wear the mask. Just wear it. Like I said, make it a fashion statement if you need to, but just wear the mask, get the bandana, whatever you need to do. Just please stay safe, social distance, because I was watching CNN and 33 states are going, they're back into the red zone. They're going up and Corona is spiking back up in the United States. Can't emphasize, I can't stress this enough. Please social distance. Do not forget the social justice issues that we're fighting. If we pull together, we can make a change right now. Go vote. It's that time. I voted Today's Wednesday. I voted on Tuesday, the first day. Monica's happy for me. I voted for my first time ever, and I'm young. But, yeah, Bruce, there we go. <laughs> go vote. We can make a change, seriously. Um, if you want your voice to be heard, that's the way you make it heard, by going to vote. Also, if you like buckets, boards, and blocks, please subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. And until we meet again, uh, hey, Bruce want to change it up and you say it <laughs> oh i am not worthy but until next time enjoy your hoops you nailed it there we go <laughs> was that okay monica it was great i love it buckets boards and blocks with monica mcnutt and king mcclure is a presentation of pure hoops media